Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and today I'm so glad to have Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore back on the podcast. Some of you might remember that they were on the podcast uh, talking about a book of theirs called Liturgies for Hope that really came to be in the midst of the pandemic. And it was such an interesting story, and I'll ask them to kind of refresh our memories about that for those of you who maybe didn't catch that episode or are new to the podcast either way. But today uh, I get to talk with them about a new book of theirs, which is called Liturgies for Wholeness. I don't know about you, but I just hear the word wholeness and I um, exhale. Wholeness. There's a lot of talk about um, struggle trauma, all kinds of things, mental illness, uh, anxiety, uh, just, you know, all of those words, right? All kinds of talk about that in our society. And, and we desire to move toward wholeness. So when I saw liturgies for wholeness, exhale, I knew I wanted to talk again to Audrey and Elizabeth. So let me just give you a little thumbnail sketch of who they are to refresh your memories. Audrey Elledge is an author and editor in New York, where she works by day at Spark Notes. Uh, she's won the Academy of American Poets Prize and the Virginia, I always want to say, Bell Ball Prize. All right, Audrey, is that right? <laughs> Is it Beal? I think it's Beal Ball, but you I, know I did what? this. I, could be wrong. I think last time because we have a department store here in Florida spelled the same way called Bells. That's why oh, I do this. That yeah, that makes that's sense. why because I look at should look at that and go Beal, of course. Anyway, mm -hmm. so uh, Audrey co-authored her first book, which I've already mentioned, Liturgies for Hope, with Elizabeth Moore, and Elizabeth lives in New York where she works at Penguin Random House and attends church at the city, New York. She co-authored her first book, already said all that, so I won't say it again, but she has done all of these good <laughs> writings, these two books, with her friend Audrey Elledge. And how did the two of you get together? Well, first of all, welcome. Welcome to both of you. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank it's you. So fun to be back, Anita. So good to be here. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, let me start with you. How did the two of you get yeah. together to write these uh, both of these yeah. liturgy books to begin with. Yeah. Well, Audrey and I started out as friends back in 2018 when I first moved to New York. We had a mutual friend connect us. Um, I was so thrilled to be connected. I moved to New York not knowing anyone. So Audrey was my first friend. Um, and we quickly realized that we were kindred spirits in terms of writing, reading, wordsmithing. Um, so we started writing this book, not knowing it was going to be a book, but we started writing our first series of liturgies during the pandemic. And they were originally meant to just be an offering for our church. So we wrote a series of 10 or 11 liturgies, gave them to our church. Um, and then that snowballed into two books, which is <laughs> so much more than we ever expected. I love that. Um, Audrey, 
what what about um, writing with someone else is fun for you? Because you know you're a, a writer, a poet, and and often we think of um, writing as a solitary thing. Mm-hmm. What do you like about um, the collaborative uh, mode of writing? Yeah, I love that question because I feel like I could wax poetic about writing with Elizabeth for hours, <laughs> but I'll keep it tight. Um, but specifically writing with Elizabeth, um, like she said, we were friends first and then we became um, co-writers second. So our friendship has always been the foreground and the foundation to our writing partnership, um, which is just beautiful to have that trust. Um, we trust each other as friends, as people, as sisters. And I think that has bled into trusting each other's artistic choices as well, um, because you share the writing process and you also share the outcome, the fruit, the the birth of the book. So um, we each have equal stake, which is actually very relieving um, <laughs> because we both learned so much about the traditional book publishing process and all the ins and outs and navigating um, just all the different things like um, talking about your book on on podcasts like this or um like trying to share that it's out in the world telling people they can pre-order it like all these different things can very easily become divorced from the writing and the art and feel like almost like to-do lists yes um check check mark things um but doing it with a friend makes it feel like the most fun thing ever (laughs) it becomes less of like okay we need to do this and more of a we get to do this we get to do do it together and we're Uh, sharing this together it's interesting. I hadn't thought of this because this is for me back in 2013, 2010, 2013, 2010. I wrote a memoir with Zondervan 2013. I co-authored a novel with a friend of mine that was published by Moody publishers. And we, and so I know that co I know both the solo and the co-authoring thing. And it was so much fun with a friend. It's like a photo shoot. Oh, fun. Way more fun. So yes. much more fun. Yes. yes. What and any uh, engagements we did some live things and and yes, like a podcast like this or radio. Oh, so so much more fun to be there with a friend. Also, the debriefing of it. <laughs> it's Absolutely. Fun yes, we love a good debrief. Not alone in <laughs> processing. <laughs> we understand that. Oh, yeah, so much fun. Oh, well, Good. I, yeah, I don't, I'm not even sure that I asked that last time, but I was curious about that. And and I'm also curious, Elizabeth, did you um, each write, you know, the different liturgies, did one of you write the whole particular liturgy and then maybe the other one read it over and edited or had suggestions or did you collaborate on individual liturgies? How did that work? Yeah, we, it was the first. So we each, we both collaborated together with our editor on the topics that we wanted to write about. And then we, we, we divided them equally. Um, I wrote 30, Audrey wrote 30. Um, and like Audrey said, we trust each other's artistic <laughs> choices. So I knew, I trust Audrey so much as a writer. So I knew whatever she wrote was going to be beautiful. And we do kind of just luckily have a very similar writing voice naturally. So, so the book if, sounds and reads very cohesively, even though it's written by two different authors, but I but yes, agree. And then we do. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. And then we, and then we did come together, read each other's liturgies, gave some feedback, right. did some edits, but for the most part, um, they were written separately, but yes. it, with the same spirit. Nice. <laughs> I love yeah. that. 
Well, I'm going to I'm going to going to get us off track immediately, but I will get us right back on track cuz I just thought of this Audrey. <laughs> I you know, when I read your bio and I um I I love poetry so much and just to read I am a haiku person. Mm. That's just Yes. What I love, it kind of helps me distill down thoughts and whatever. I, th that's how I use it. But but I love reading poetry. My son and I have read a couple of books of poetry together. He's outside Washington, D.C. We'll read it and discuss it, et cetera. Um, but what do you think of this um, oh, What trend? It's like everyone's a poet today. Like even mm. me saying, I, I write haiku, you know, for myself, I write haiku. <laughs> but mm -hmm. everyone's a poet today. What do you think? And they're all yeah. publishing. What do you really well, think? <laughs> what a hot button question, Anita. <laughs> First of all, I would love to read your haikus. I think haikus are a great way to process and to journal with the structure. Um, so what do I think of anyone being able to be a poet? Um, well, I love poetry. I think I didn't discover it until college when I actually started by being really enamored by the rules of poetry, the structure, the iambic pentameter. Um, sonnets where there's quatrains and you have to follow rules in beats per line. And I just had the most fun working within that structure. Mm. Um, so for that poetry, poetry where you care about the form and the meter, there are rules and yes. not everyone can necessarily do that or wants to do that because it can feel very outdated, I do realize. Um, but I think free writing poetry is something that anyone can do. And I do think Poetry and prayer share a lot of common ground. Um, I mean, David in the psalm, that's poetry right there. And he's crying out to God. And it just so happens that he has like acrostics and, <laughs> you know, different Hebrew poetry forms in there. Um, and I think poetry really is at its base. It is pulling from the well of your own experience and what you're feeling and trying to put shape to it. And so I think there are some people who wouldn't call themselves poets but they totally are like even the way they speak and process their life yes. in conversation, like in a coffee shop, if I'm sitting across from someone and they can put towards something they're experiencing, I'm like, that was poetic. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be written down. Yes. Um, so I think poetry is really all around us. Mm. Yeah. Well, that I really appreciated that response. And also you made me think of an iambic pentameter that I wrote about a frog that I really like. <laughs> oh, I'm dying to read that. I have to, <laughs> you I have to send find it. it our way. You're making me want to dig through some old stuff now. All right. This is too fun. <laughs> yeah. oh, good. And you made me also think I've been married for 18 years, second marriage for me. And wow, my husband, uh, Mike wrote, um, and I guess he had always written poetry and wrote all kinds of beautiful free verse poetry and kind of mm. totally wooed me I'm like, wow, the oh, second poem, Romeo. yes, I'll marry you. Oh, wait, you didn't ask yet? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, <hold> <laughs> uh, but I'm ready, like but I will. With a pen. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Let's, let's go back to that though. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, liturgies for wholeness. Um, and I didn't read, have not read the subtitle yet, 60 Prayers to Encounter the Depth, Creativity, and Friendship of God in Ordinary Moments. So I think that's important to get the subtitle out there. Mm -hmm. And so talk about the, um, the <laughs> what's the word? That's what happens when you get 63. You forget the words. <laughs> um, the, the categories, the categories. How did you yeah. come up with the categories? And what mm -hmm. are those categories? 
specifically for encountering yeah. God in ordinary moments. I think they're interesting and I want to hear how you came up with them. Yeah. We specifically wanted to include categories that we feel like encompass a whole person. So the first handful are all to do with the individual. Um, we have the five or we have, um, I think there are five. We have for the mind, for the senses, for the body, for the heart and for the soul. And so we feel like those, all of those aspects, we want them all to be healthy and kind of always in the process of becoming more whole um, so that we can be an, a holistic, well-rounded person. And then the final three have to do with um, our um, external lives. So it's for the home, for the neighborhood and for the world. So also an important part of being a whole person is engaging with the world around you on a small scale, maybe at your, in your home, among your family or your roommates, all the way to like a, a global scale, being aware of what's going on in the world, how you can engage with it um, and how um, global events or communal events can affect you and, and make you more healthy. Um, I love the categories we're going to get into uh, at least a couple. I'm going to have you each of you read one liturgy and maybe we'll talk about a couple of others. But uh, I realize I, I haven't asked this question, which needs to be a part of our conversation. And I'll direct this to you, Audrey. Liturgy. What is liturgy? That might be a new word for some people. Um, so, you know, you hear people say, I go to a liturgical church and people probably also kind of go, hmm, I wonder what that is. You know, we don't, we don't talk about that word. So mm -hmm. give us a little thumbnail sketch of that definition. Right. Yeah. So I did not grow up in a church that practiced liturgy at all. And so I discovered the word later in adulthood. Um, and I was just so drawn to it as I think a lot of people are. Um, I think there's this resurgence of liturgy um, amongst especially young people who also didn't grow up with the tradition. Um, but as best I understand it, liturgy is really just something that forms you. So it's something that you can repeat, um, whether it's a prayer in a church service or if it's a prayer in your bed at night that forms you into a person who looks more like Jesus. And so when we use liturgy in the book, we're talking about a prayer that you can repeat on your own. You can take a little stanza. You can take a line. You can claim it as your own. And there are words you can speak alone or with a community, with friends, with family in your church. And you can say those words to God and they form you into a person following God or trying your best to, at least. <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> that. I love that. I wrote um, in the margin in the book uh, where where you talked about liturgy, a note on liturgy, I, I said, you know, there's a liturgy to my day, mm -hmm. um, you know, there, that forms yes. me even. Yeah. Um, and like a pattern. A pattern, right. Yeah. So um, I just think it's, I think it's a good word, underused, and I love it how you use it in your books. And this one, especially liturgies for wholeness, I think is just beautiful and relevant. And it's, I mean, it's right where we are all living. So that's mm -hmm. what I appreciate uh, about them. Um, I, I have to say for the mind, I put a little check mark and I've not read this one yet, but mm -hmm. I put a check mark next to a liturgy for right after a panic attack. Mm -hmm. I thought, talk about relevance in the world today. Ugh. Because I started thinking, yes. how did you come up with these? You know, so like, how did you come up with that? Have you mm -hmm. just talked with enough people who have had that personal struggle or experience? Or 
Because, mm -hmm. I mean, you've had to think about what underneath the categories, then you have to think about what you're going to draw upon, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Elizabeth, yeah, maybe so you can speak to that. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I will speak to just, um, yes, we did try to within those categories that we already mentioned, we kind of then were like, okay, what are some real world experiences or like lived experiences that either Audrey or I have had, or that we have had other people share with us. And we actually had a couple of opportunities for people to submit liturgy ideas to us. Um, nice, so a lot nice. of, yeah. So a lot of these liturgies are, are crowdsourced from the needs of other people. Um, but specifically a liturgy for right after a panic attack, Audrey wrote that from her lived experience. So Audrey, mm -hmm. feel free to share more yeah. about that. Yeah, that one was extremely personal for me because a few years ago I dealt with having multiple panic attacks a day. I went from being fine, living great, and then uh, tilted slowly into an anxiety disorder that just completely upended my life. And I think before that, I thought a panic attack was just when you're a little nervous or you have fear. Right. <laughs> it turns out it's actually extremely physical in addition to mental, and it can feel like your world is crashing down when you're in the middle of one. And so the only thing I had the wherewithal back then to do was just write little little things in my journal, like help or come save me or just little things. And I never thought I would see the redemption of that year. Um, but then fast forward to um, Liturgies for Wholeness, we're coming up with ideas for this book. And I had had this idea for a very long time. I thought I could write it for the first book, Liturgies for Hope. Turns out I cared too much about it to be able to do it well. And so it was the very last one I wrote for Liturgies for Wholeness, our second book. No and kidding. I just repurposed my old journal entries. It really is just stuff that I either wrote or thought yeah. or articulated in phone calls where I was crying to friends yeah. or my mom yeah. and just ask the Lord, like, you know, who's going through panic attacks oh. right now, you know, who yeah. may pick this up and need this. So mm. whatever you told to me in the dark, we're going to say it to them. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's me. It's so interesting that I mentioned that one and I had no idea of that story. And I think I mentioned it mm -hmm. because I thought how relevant, how I just wanted people to mm -hmm. know, you know, this is not, <laughs> this is, this stuff is really relevant. Uh, that's in the section for the mind, for the senses. I put a little check mark. I'm going to read a liturgy for napping. Um, I went oh. through an intense period of um, therapy a year ago and man, I would like nap every day. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah. Emotionally exhausted. Oh yeah. And I mean, there are a lot of reasons for napping, but I love that. A liturgy for napping. Like, yeah. yes, love it. Yes. <laughs> we need, <laughs> we need those. Naps. Yeah, we absolutely do. <laughs> um, I, I definitely gravitated toward um, the section on for the body. Mm. The first one, liturgy for aging. Thank you very much. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. A liturgy for loving your body. In fact, I'm going to have you read that one in just a few minutes, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. That just, uh, just yes, <laughs> say no more. Yes, uh, <laughs> just but, yes. <laughs> but to, and I think again that speaks to relevance. You have a liturgy for seasonal depression. Oh my goodness! Now we're we're recording this and releasing this in the winter season in the United States and. You know, I just think of my husband when we lived in Chicago, definitely had seasonal affective disorder. Um, mm -hmm. But there are other things besides that winter depression that, that can be labeled seasonal depression. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of the liturgy for a diagnosis, oh, for the loss of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, wow. 
for the heart, liturgy for a broken heart. I'm very interested in a liturgy for anger. Mm, that's, yep. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't Seven, know. Like if, rage. Uh, if one of you rage. wants to speak to that one. <laughs> yeah, I think I wrote that one. Um, I wrote it because I needed it. There's, there's a few in this book that I'm, that Audrey and I both are like, we wrote mm-hmm. that because we need it. And we think other people might as well, yeah. but I was just, yeah, was, went through a season of, of anger and was really struggling to know how to give that over to the Lord, how to work through it in a, in a way that was good. And that was not destructive to myself or other people. And the more I prayed about anger, the more I realized that anger is like the hard shell over a wound. Mm-hmm. And so like mm-hmm. the premise of that liturgy is actually an invitation to not ignore the anger, definitely to like, to express it and bring it wholly to the Lord, but to get beyond beneath the hard shell and to like invite the spirits healing presence into the wound that's beneath it. Um, which is very, very tender. Cause when you, yeah. Cause when you're to the anger phase, you really, you want to cover up that wound. You want nothing to touch it. You want nothing to breathe on it. It's so, so tender. Um, and so I think the liturgy for anger is really special because it invites people to let the healer into that very tender place. Um, mm. Yeah. Wow. Liturgies for the soul, a liturgy for new seasons of life. Wow. A, li- a liturgy for, for a new parent. Mm, I could have used that mm. 31 years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, a liturgy for teachers under, you know, for the community. So a liturgy for voting. Mm. Oh, I just now spotted that one. Mm-hmm. Wow. We need that. This year. This Indeed. Year. In an need election it. year. We need it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's you know, let's have um, the two of you read a couple of these. So um, let me actually, Audrey, let me start with you. Um, you you chose a liturgy for paying attention. I thought mm-hmm. that was so interesting. It's in the section um, titled For the Senses. So I'll let you say whatever you want about it and then, and then read that one for us. Sure. Yeah, it really is a liturgy about just staying in the present moment and not rushing ahead not falling behind, dwelling too much in the past or the future, but just really noticing what's around you now and who's around you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that I'm always trying to practice because like I said before, I have a tendency toward anxiety, which means I'm living in the future that hasn't happened and probably will never happen. Mm-hmm. And so the spiritual practice that I am really trying to press into in 2024 is present yes. and just staying exactly where I am. (laughs) So easier said than done. Well, then let's hear this liturgy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. this is for me. Um, All right. A liturgy for paying attention. Oh, Christ, who lingered, who listened, who welcomed interruption, let us be generous with attention. Busyness tricks us into scarcity, into clutching onto time as if we could lose it. Distracted by yesterday's failures and tomorrow's fears, we forget the gift of today. We long to stand attentive, to be startled by creation again, to be astounded by what has faded to familiarity. May we take notice of the lives we have been given. May we tune our ears when a friend speaks, make eye contact with strangers, touch fields of flowers, 
become a student of trees. May we regard how even dishes and dust have something to teach. May our focus be always on him, looking for his fingerprints in the world. For to stay curious is to stay present. May awe be the filter through which we experience the ordinary. Lay claim to our lives again so we can attend fully to this moment. Slow our pace and settle our spirits so we may bear witness to beauty, to details and the myriad stories around us. May our attention feel more like a prayer that never ceases, like a rope that feathers us to you. We lay down our need to perform and produce and choose to dawdle in nature, to lengthen conversations, to linger with neighbors, to stroll instead of sprint, to believe time is oil we can pour out on you. Amen. Wow. I love your earlier admonition that you could just sit with a stanza or a line from these liturgies. And I really felt that as I, as you were reading and I marked a couple of different places, uh, I think they're powerful and beautiful and um, yeah, you could actually, you could almost use them a little bit like Lexio Divina. Mm. Um, what words mm. or phrases elevate for you as you read them. And uh, that was powerful. Thank you so much Thank for you. including that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, uh, busyness tricks us into scarcity. Yeah, <laughs> That, was, really that was what I marked into clutching onto time as if we could lose it. Um, I'm an Enneagram trainer and the only time I've ever mistyped, I'm an Enneagram three and I've mistyped uh, um, two times actually when I've taken the test as an Enneagram five and it's all about hoarding time. Mm. Oh, and so when I read that, yeah. oh, love That's that. so real. Yeah, yeah it is. Yes, real. it is. Well, all right, Elizabeth, let's turn to you and all you're right. going to read a liturgy for loving your body. Yes. Oh boy. Oh uh, man. Oh, we boy. all need this. You know, we, I, I, I confess, we do. um, often I go, oh yes, women, we need this. This is not just, this is for every person. True. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I wrote this one out of need as well. Um, but you're right. It is a, a common human experience to perhaps have days or more or extended periods of time where you're not loving your body, where you don't like the way that it looks, you don't like the way that it functions, you don't like the way that it feels. Um, and I think that's so real. And that's something that we can be honest about. We don't have to suppress how we're feeling, but um, I do think that like a love for our bodies is something that Christ wants to give to us and something that he wants to redeem um, and allow and give us his eyes. Yes. And, and I think I've just I love that you talked about how it looks, how it functions, because those mm. two things can speak to different seasons of life and ages, because I, yeah. I am not as worried about looks. I mean, I, yes, I'm still, I pay attention, of course, but yeah. how my body functions as it mm. ages, it becomes totally. more of the conversation and yeah. more of a conversation with peers of yeah. mine. And so I thought it was interesting that you mentioned yeah. both of those. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that as well. Cause you're right. The, uh, an unlove for our bodies can be for a myriad of reasons, depending yes. on your age and season. And, um, yeah, I'd love to read this for us. Please. Okay. This is a liturgy for loving your body. O creator of my body, steward of my soul. My vision is easily distorted by disgust and my eyesight can be lessened by lies. When I am consumed by appearance, I am unable to rightly perceive who I truly am. I have lived in this prison of short-sightedness for too long, and I would desperately like to be set free. Jesus, you understand what it is like to have a body, to be strong and weak all at once. So teach me how you carried yourself in flesh. I cannot hide my insecurities from you, for you have already discerned my thoughts from afar. So let me be honest with you when I'm feeling low, for you have given me unconditional acceptance through Christ. As I move throughout my day, reveal to me the practical ways to celebrate this body you've given me and remind me that the pursuit of a perfect image is an unreachable horizon. Let me not be deceived by the allure of temporary attractiveness, nor by my own thoughts of dissatisfaction, as if attaining an external ideal could satisfy my longing for love. But let me be confident in whatever body I have, regardless of how I think it looks, for it is the work of your hands. Holy Father, your beauty is far more compelling than the image of myself that lives in my head. One day, this body will be transformed and made whole. But until that day, O oh Lord, draw me out of negative thought spirals and into deeper reverence and wonder, completely in awe of all that you are. The imperfections of my body become small and unentertaining when I delight in the riches of your love, when I view myself through your eyes. So come, Holy Spirit, and whisper the thoughts of God into my heart. Help me see beyond the shell of myself, lovely one day and hideous the next, and open my eyes to the reality of who I truly am, overshadowed by the reality of who you truly are. Amen. Amen. Another really, really pertinent liturgy. Um mm. I underlined to be set free, just that simple yeah, phrase. Totally. Uh, there were several others, but that was the first one. And I I love this liturgies for wholeness. I, I love the concept. I love um, the whole book and I love how it can be um, honestly 60 days worth of reading, you know, almost like a, maybe even a Lenten practice. I don't know, mm -hmm. whatever someone wants That's to use true. it for, you know, yeah. but yeah. just good, yeah. good stuff with beautiful writing. And I thank you both for your good work. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Anita. And thanks for being on the podcast again. Really appreciate it. I wanted to highlight it and let folks know what you are up to. So liturgies for yeah. wholeness, 60 prayers to encounter the depth, creativity, and friendship of God in ordinary moments. Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore. Thanks to you both. Thank you. Thank you. And to everyone else, as always, I say keep the conversation going. <laughs>